Uh, we've been on a series called um, The Journey of Becoming His from Bondage to Freedom. Each one of us is on a journey of becoming Christ, of, of having Jesus transform our life. And we all start out in a place of bondage, a place. In, and so what is that bondage? Is that actually like a prison? Is it, um, it, it can be our attitudes. It can be something that took place in your life when you were young. It could be something that's uh, a wrong that's been committed against you. It can be your own selfishness. It can be your own unforgiveness or your own attitude in, in your mind in the way you act. But it's his desire to take us from that place to freedom. Anybody here ever had something in your life that you felt was attached to you and you just wish you could have just sh shaken it off and that it would just fall off? I mean, it could be, it could be a sickness it could be a financial thing. You know, maybe you've had a debt and it's like, man, I just wish, you know, have you ever wanted just to have that genie in the bottle where you could just, can I just have one wish? And if I did, I would change this in my life. That's exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to take us from bondage to freedom. Now, if you're like me, it doesn't happen as fast as you would want it to happen. Anybody ever realize that? <laughs> Judging by Curtis's, Uncle Curtis's laugh, I think he relates to what I'm saying. We, we, we have this thing in us where we would like to see it take place a lot quicker. And it doesn't happen at our speed and in our timing. It happens in God's timing. Because it's not just about us going from one place to the next place. It's what he wants to do with us through the process. There's a shaping that he wants to do. There's other things he wants us to learn because he, he wants to show us that he's with us through it and he's walking with us in that way. Eliana, I want to skip the series wins. I'm breaking all of our rules on this series. I want to go to the next slide. What are we learning about the Israelites? To me, here's a couple things that have stood out as we've looked. We started in Genesis and we look at Abraham, we go through Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's sons, and then how the Israelites ended up in Egypt and were, were ended up being slaves there, there for over 400 years. God, through a course of events, sends uh, Moses. He's born there. He's miraculously saved. And, um, oh, and I'm sorry, if, if you are uh, first through eighth grade and you want to go to class, you can totally get up and go. But if you are really loving it because the bread just got passed out, that's okay. You can take the bread with you. That is totally fine. I, I'm totally okay with that. If you want to stay in, you totally can. Just an FYI, I don't think we're going to get to the video. So if you wanted to stay in because you wanted to watch a video, it might not happen. Okay? Can we just tell the kids how much we love them and how glad we are that they're part of our family? What we see with this whole time and what we've been talking about is that it was God's desire, as we see, to dwell. Well, first, God's desire to have a chosen people, and he started with Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. 
You're going to have more descendants. But it wasn't just for, so that he could be popular, so that others could um, uh, uh, desire what he had. It was because God wanted to reveal himself to the rest of the world through Abraham. Not because Abraham was so special, but because God is so special. And he was choosing Abraham to be his instrument. And he was choosing the Israelite people to be that family that he would then reveal himself through. Again, not just so they could walk around saying, we're the best. We won the state championship. I got the video to prove it. I got the trophy to prove it. I got the ribbon. I got the plaque over my house saying, this is who I am. It wasn't about that. It was about saying, this is who he is. This is who provides for me. This is who, who parted the Red Sea when I thought I was trapped. This is who came and brought food when we were in the middle of the desert and there seemed to be no food to be had. This is who brought water out of a rock when we had ran out and we thought we were here to die and he miraculously made water come out of a rock. This is my God. This is who comes and brings life to me, even when I don't feel like I have life. So God's desire to have a chosen people that would be set apart so he could reveal himself to the rest of the world. The second one, God's desire to dwell with them. He wanted to actually come down and dwell. He didn't want to just stay in his office. He didn't want to just send out a couple memos. He didn't want to just talk to his senior managers and have them uh, relay the information to the rest of us. He wanted to actually dwell in their presence. He wanted to be with them. But their rebellion got in the way. So God created a way for them to approach him. He created priests. He created all these um, and, and fellas, here in a minute, after we take the bread, I'm actually going to have you pass out the juice. I'm promising I'm doing everything different than I said earlier. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, where was I? My rebellion is getting in the usher's way. That's where I was at. Yes. So God created a way for them to approach him. We saw that last week. Darcy did a marvelous job just laying out about Leviticus and opening up that book. Come on, you can cheer for her. <laughs> Brought it to life in, in what God was doing there and what the sacrifices represented. But it was to create a cleansing that in the midst of our own rebellion, in their rebellion, that there was still a way. God wanted them their best. That's when you know that I typed it. <laughs> so if you're ever wondering who wrote the email, uh, if there's proper grammar and there's no misspellings, then that means Tamar helped me. If it ever happened and you do see this, that means I did it on my own. So <clears throat> I'm still learning how to ride my bike. But I'm getting there. Uh, what did I mean by that there? <laughs> it's a sentence. Come on. There we go. See, it was just corrected. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Eliana, you're a saint. God wanted their best. He wanted them 
their, their response to be that we saw his presence as holy, so he wanted, there was things that they needed to do because of their rebellion before they entered his presence and before it so that they didn't just go casually, but then he also wanted their best because then it was about, I want you to bring me your first fruits. I want you, it wasn't just, I want you to look at all your sheep and find the one that you think is worthless and then why don't you just dedicate that to me? Okay, this wasn't a secondhand store thing where we go and we clean out our closets and decide what do I no longer fit into or what, you know, is no longer in style. Okay, I'm going to offer that up. I'm going to clean out my closet. He said, no, I want you to go in and I want you to find your best. I want you, if you've been on the, you know, the Nike shoe app and you finally got your chance to get some Jordan 4s, which I would love to do but I can never do because all the computer bots that always beat me to it, but that's a whole different story. But if I had those, that's what he wants me to bring to him. Out of my appreciation and out of our gratitude, he wanted their best. Okay, so what does this mean? What are we learning about ourselves? We are, so we've been talking about the Israelites and looking at what God said to bring that alive but it relates to you and I right here, right now in our life today. We are the chosen people that he wants to reveal himself to the rest of the world through. Do we believe it? You, say I am. am. We'll go through this whole thing. I am am. the chosen people people. that he wants to reveal reveal. himself to. The rest of the world, world. I said it wrong through, but you know what I meant. Jeez, I'm falling apart today. You know what? During the songs, I I kept singing. Could you hear me singing the wrong words? I I just like, it would say the, and I would say way, or I don't know what's going on. But we are those chosen people. And he wants to reveal himself to our neighbors. He wants to reveal himself to our classmates. He wants to reveal himself to our coworkers. He wants to reveal himself to this city. He wants to reveal himself to the world through you and I. Again, not so that we have a plaque over our house. You can have the little sign, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. The idea isn't, though, where we just walked around and saying, I'm, you know, I'm the lucky, we are the luckiest Maybe I shouldn't even be using this analogy. But, but the idea is that the blessing that we have, the forgiveness we've been given, all that he wants to reveal himself through us. The church is the family. So there was a family, the Israelites. Abraham and his descendants were the family. You know, City Harvest is like one of the clans, one of the tribes. We're one of the tribes in the family. And each one of us here in this tribe, which is one of many different tribes in the family of God for the purpose to reveal himself to the rest of the world, we are part of that family. Not only that, we've been called as priests, as part of this holy nation, this holy family. We've each been called priests. He wants us to be set apart. We 
We see that over and over and over as we've been reading. He wants us to be set apart. What does it mean to be set apart? That, that, that's what it means to be holy. It means where we separate ourselves from certain things. We, we saw that even in, in last week's message where they were told they can eat certain things and they can't eat other things. The idea was they were to look different than the rest of the world. There was also supposed to be a reliance where things didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Take a day off and don't work and just focus on enjoying the presence of God, but don't worry, you'll be more successful in six days of work than those that work all seven. It doesn't make sense, but God makes it happen. It doesn't make sense that you take the best that you have, the first that you have, and you tie, you, you, you give that to God. It doesn't make sense in a world where everything is save, invest, hold on to, contain, don't let anybody else get it, but that when we give freely and even go beyond that and then give in offerings and give and bless global impact workers and, and, and take care of our neighbors and take care of those in need, that we end up always having enough. It doesn't make sense, but when we're set apart, God comes and fills in the gaps because we're living his way. His desire is to dwell with you and I. It's no longer he was just in the tent, but he's dwelling with you and I. He wants to be with us. Think about that. That the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, That Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate penalty on the cross, wants to be with you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to have a conversation where he makes eye contact with you and a whole bunch of other people run around and he actually doesn't get distracted. He, when you're talking, doesn't pull out his phone and start checking something else out on his phone because he's bored with, or he needs a little extra stimulation while you're talking. He finds what you say absolutely fascinating. I'm blessed because he understands how to read my writing. <laughs> he wants to be with each one of us. He wants to dwell with us, which is an amazing thing. And we're caught in this dichotomy of how do I receive that grace and understand that there's nothing I can do to earn his love. There's nothing more I can do. I can't sing a little louder. I can't raise my hands a little straighter. I can't jump a little more. I can't read that many more chapters of the Bible where he would want to hang out with me any more than he already does. But yet... On the other hand, he still is asking me to be set apart. And he's asking me to approach him with reverence, to approach him as holy. Our rebellion gets in the way 
in the same way that the Israelites' rebellion got in the way. Here's the thing. Why are you holding this bread? We're getting there. He create. has anybody smelt them? Just smell it real quick. I just want you to know what you're about to partake in. Okay, now, now take it away from your mouth and your nose. He created a way through Jesus Christ for us to approach him. We no longer have to go get an animal. As Darcy said, we no longer have to put our hand on it as it's alive. We no longer, while standing there, see the the neck get cut and the blood start pouring out and its life slowly go limp as it's drained out. Because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for you and I. In the tabernacle that, that Jan talked about and Darcy talked about as we've gone through this, the curtain that used to separate the holy place, that used to separate God's presence from the rest, was torn when Jesus died to symbolize that there's no longer a curtain between us in his presence. He's here with us now. So even in our rebellion, he created a way for us to approach him. You know what? But he's still asking for our best. So yes, we accept his gift Freely, all he asks us to do is put faith in him. To let go of control and say, I'm gonna trust you, God. But on the other hand, he still wants to us approach his presence as sacred. He still wants us to consecrate ourselves where we prepare ourselves to enter his presence and we don't take it for granted. And he still wants you and I to be set apart. In uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 and 8, it says, So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. In Joshua 3, 5, he says, Then Joshua told the people, This is right before they're about to cross the the river. Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great in wonders among you. Purify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. We prepare ourselves that we enter his presence in a prepared state, but remembering that there's nothing we can do to earn more of his presence. There's nothing we can do to earn more of his grace. It's free, but yet our response is to prepare ourselves because we see him as holy. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, says, but you are not like that, For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness, bondage, into his wonderful light, freedom. Verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. 
Who do we find our identity in? Jesus Christ. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. That was what we did in atmosphere prayer. God, search me, show me. What are those things that I'm captivated by? What are those things I hold on to that you want me to let go of? Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. It's not that they would see that you're amazing. It's not that they would see that you live perfect. It's that they would see the glory of God through your life. We were gonna pass the bread out at the end of the service and walk around and spread germs and break bread with one another. <laughs> but I wanted to do something different. Is, um, and, and after we break bread, can we go into Manasaros? Is that cool? Is I just want you to take a minute and uh, smell that bread again. Now, I don't know. I need my own piece so I can enjoy with you. <laughs> this is good stuff. I don't know how many of you have ever done a Seder dinner or done like a Passover meal. Many times they're going to give you uh, a piece of bread or a cracker that has zero flavor. Okay? It's hard. It's crunchy. It has holes in it. It's symbolic. To, to God's broken body, and, and they, it, it has no yeast in it. I, I want to tell you, I don't know, Eugene, how much yeast did you put in this? A lot. A lot, okay? This thing is packed full of yeast, okay? And it's packed full of flavor. But here's something. is There was supposed to be no yeast in the bread. One of the main reasons was it also symbolized how yeast can spread even just a little bit and how it can affect the whole thing. And sin is like that in our lives. That is why we sanctify ourselves. That's the, why we say, Lord, search me. Show me if there's even a little bit. I want to sweep my house clean of it, because God, I want to be purified before you. But today I want to do it a little different. We're eating bread with a ton of flavor and a ton of yeast, okay? But what I want you to do you guys just start playing, create, create a little atmosphere, a little manipulative spirit in here. Thing. Not a manipulative spirit, okay? Forgive me, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we're just creating an environment. Sorry, Bill. Is, I would like you to take a couple, just start taking some bites of this. Here in a second. Give me a minute to finish the, the sentence here, though. Is, but as you do, it's to accept the goodness the sweetness, the beauty, the wonderfulness of Jesus Christ in your life. So this might not be the traditional communion cracker. It might not be the styrofoam that we had during COVID. But to reflect on his goodness, his sweetness, how much he loves you and just savor it. And we're gonna begin to sing, you guys, we're gonna begin to sing this song. And if you just want to sit there and just focus on the words, but let's think about how good it is and accept it because we don't 
gather here just to gather and sing some songs. We gather and the reason we have this table and the reason we've been taking communion every week is because it is at the center. The reason we gather is because of Jesus Christ. The reason you and I can come in and enter the presence of God is because of the sacrifice he made. So we never want to forget it. We never want to take it for granted. Why do we pray at the beginning of the service? It just takes up time, doesn't it? Couldn't we just get on with it? We sure could. But I don't think we want to enter his presence haphazard. We want to enter with respect. Now you might be in here today and you have never said, Jesus, I want to make you the leader of my life. What is faith, putting faith in Jesus? It's saying, Lord, I believe that you sent your one and only son, that even though I have rebellion, even though I try to do things in my own, God, you sent your son to pay my penalty. He's serving my prison sentence. He's the one that is forking out the money and paying my debts. We also acknowledge that we have rebellion, that when we do things our own way, we become selfish, that we make it about us. We put ourselves first and we repent. That's where we say, Lord, search me. God, show me. Father, I'm sorry. So as we go into this song, you have a moment with Jesus, each one of us. You know, maybe you're reaching out to him for the very first time and saying, Jesus, I want this. I want to be with you. Maybe you're reaching out for the one millionth time, but let's reflect on his goodness.